Hello and welcome to episode 52 of the Fierce Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Dara Swift. I'm talking with women who are taking action where their passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. They are using their God-given gifts to impact the world for Christ. I hope this podcast inspires, encourages, and challenges other women to step out of their doubt, into their calling, and use their God-given gifts because every woman of God has a fierce calling and everybody has a story. So let's tell them to share what we know and to glorify God. In today's episode, How to Laugh Without Fear of the Future, I'm talking with my friend Jen Ervig. Jen shares her story about overcoming anxiety and how knowing the end game can bring incredible joy. We also talk about women in leadership. In her latest book, When My Mind Winds Up, a pull-no-punches approach to anxiety, Jen brings her faith and personal journey with open hands in hopes that she can take what's helped her and pay it forward. I know that you'll love her humble honesty. What Jen has to say will encourage, inspire, and challenge you. So listen in while I have a chat with Jen Irving. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fierce Calling Podcast. Today, I have my friend with me, Jen Irvig. She's a Seattle area pastor, a wife, mom, event speaker, and award-nominated author. And she loves to laugh and firmly believes that Jesus doesn't care about our happiness when our joy is at stake. <laughs> I love that. Hi, Jen. Welcome to the show. Hello, Doris. Thanks for having me. And I just got to tell you, I just feel like a little caught off guard by how adorable you are when you're introducing your show. It, oh. just, <laughs> it brings me such joy because that means I'm watching you and your element, what you are meant to do. And those kind of things just make me, yeah, just bring me such joy. <laughs> oh, what a blessing. Yeah, because we can see each other because we're doing this via Zoom. Yeah. And I only use the audio for the podcast, but I think it's so important to interact so thank you. That's very encouraging. So I love that you are a connections pastor, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, That's awesome. Everybody always asks, what is that? <laughs> mm. <laughs> so it's what the title implies. If there's a reason to connect someone to somebody else, um, a ministry, a need, that's me. So yeah, I, uh, I, I connect people with volunteering. I help connect people to other people, groups, whatever you need. If you need um, a pastor to help marry you, I'll connect you to that. Nice. <laughs> I, I connect everybody. <laughs> and I, I love, love that. that. It's perfect for me because I'm such a networker. I'm always making mental notes of, oh, Doris is good at this, or Doris loves these kind of things or people. And so when I meet somebody else that I think needs to know Doris... <laughs> That is so cool. God is using you as like a catalyst to create new relationships and support ministries and just connect people. And I love that too, because it's the heart of fierce calling, because I really want women to come on and share their stories and how they're taking action where their passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. In that way, they can share how their stories have led them to where God has them right now and how they've overcome difficult circumstances to use their gifts to impact the world for Christ to help other women to go, oh, wow, I didn't really realize that there is a ministry like that or that I could use my gifts in that way. And it's amazing too how many women that I've even interviewed that have said what they're doing now, they never aspire to do it. 
Right. It's just something that God called them to do. And it could have just happened like last week, the whole thing about calling, you don't have to be like intimidated because God will reveal and he'll lead people like Jen into your life who will get you connected. Right. That's right. Amen. Amazing. (laughs) So I would love if you would share a little bit about your story Mm -hmm. and how you are taking action where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Sure. Well, you said something a minute ago that really just gets to the heartbeat of it. You said so many women you talk to are now finding themselves doing what they never aspired to do. It's just what they've been called to do. And that's the thing of it. I mean, so I think that you know, your calling, your fierce calling is a mix of who you always were, but maybe didn't know you were until just now. (laughs) Maybe you knew who it was, but you didn't know how that was going to work out in your life. Because like, I always wanted to be a school teacher. And then I started dating this one guy, I think just after my senior year of high school, and he was on track to be a pastor. And so all of a sudden it was like, oh, I'm going to be a pastor's wife. And I'm like, no, I'm not. (laughs) That's not what Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not meant for. Not going there. I'm not meant for ministry. And then, you know, I always say God has a sense of humor because, okay, I'm not a pastor's wife, but guess what? Now I'm a pastor. Wow. (laughs) So don't say no to God. (laughs) And what's interesting about that is a pastor and now even an author is that passion for teaching that I always had definitely comes into play, but I didn't know, you know, what that was going to look like. I had to yield to what God kept repeatedly throwing into my path in life until I was getting it through my head. <laughs> nice. Well, that is but, so encouraging. <laughs> oh my goodness. It is, you know, it's in, it is encouraging actually, because, um, you may fight against something, but that's just us, I guess, growing up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then you do end up back on the right track. Like I always say, you know, people who say, Oh, I married the wrong person. No, you didn't. If you married them, it's the right person, (laughs) you know, all these kinds of things. But when you were talking about your podcast, how you like to know what women's, what, what did you say? Passion, compassion, and conviction where all that intersects. You got it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So definitely that's me. Um, you know, the teaching, the wanting to network people, although I wouldn't even consider myself an extrovert, I have found through this pandemic, I'm definitely an introvert because staying at home and not going to the office every day has been quite a delight. I would say that where my compassion and passion is, it's just like, you know, I can't even remember the exact Bible verse, but I'm sure the Holy Spirit will guide you into the truth of what I'm trying to recall here. But it's the one where like Jesus just looked at everyone and they were like, it was sheep without a shepherd or whatever, or just all these people with real genuine needs. He felt that, you know, he had to do something about it. And so, um, that's kind of me like, and I feel like that's kind of my thing too. And that's what gives me my, my compassion and my passion for people and to help meet their needs and where they are, because guess what? It rubs against the fact that I am very, very selfish. Oh, <laughs> We learn a lot about each other and about ourselves, don't we? Right. That brings so, that out. That self-centeredness and that just that selfishness and, and the laziness and wanting to be comfortable all the time. You have to fight against that. You have to become more Christ-like to um, make that passion in yourself come alive to actually serve other people. So I would say that that's where my compassion, passion, it's a tongue twister, Doris. Yeah. <laughs> I've just said it so many times. So it just kind of rolls <laughs> off my tongue, but yeah, passion, compassion, and conviction. And I love that you shared that. And thank you for being so real and honest about selfishness. Cause 
we don't think of ourselves as having these negative traits. Like we don't want to think that we have those, but we do. I, I mean, I learned a lot about myself when I had an abrupt career kind of go away after almost 30 years. And, you know, it, like all of those years, I felt like, oh, all these accolades and, you know, doing great at this and great at that. And then all of a sudden I wasn't even there anymore and it was running without me. And it's like, you learn a lot about yourself and I would have never said I was prideful, but I learned that I really had to like check my spirit on that kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. That's awesome. So tell us about your book because it is just so cool. I love the title. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So um, I actually have two books out, but I'm assuming you're talking about the most recent one, which is titled When My Mind Winds Up, and that's on anxiety. Yeah. And actually the premise of that book is what I just kind of mentioned a little bit is that, well, I mean, it's on anxiety, but I start out real blunt by telling people that anxiety is selfish. Ah! And it's, I know it's like a terrible thing to say. It just really gut punches people at first, but here's the thing. So I actually, my eyes were opened up. Well, I mean, I already knew pain was selfish. Um, and I have a story that goes with that because when I was, uh, early 2000, I was engaged to be married and it just wasn't working out. So I moved out of state and the only way I could heal from out of being, you know, that they're turning into myself and being so depressed and full of anxiety and I'm never going to get married and I'm going to be an old woman with tons of cats which if you're an old woman with tons of cats, hey, that's God's calling for people too. <laughs> so own it. Right. But um, I learned then that serving others was a big part of healing. But also I would say it really opened my eyes again when Kerry Newhoff came out with his book, Didn't See It Coming, because he said, drop a brick or a, a cement block on your toe and see if you can think about anything else. Mm. You can't. No. <laughs> You cannot pain, anxiety, any kind of pain is incredibly self-focused. It's just the nature of it. Does it mean you're a bad person? Does it, you know, mean you're evil or full of sin? It's just the way it is. But to heal yourself and pull yourself out of that, you need to become others focused. Mm-hmm. And so that's the a big premise of my book for anxiety and how I've found healing for that. I love that being others focused mm-hmm. because it's true when you do for others it just brings this joy and then it takes that distraction in another direction. And I think it really opens our eyes and our perspective when we start seeing, yeah, like what's going on in the pain that others are also experiencing that we can maybe speak life into. You're exactly right. And that's the thing. All the, all the three things you said about it are exactly true, but just um, circling back to the fact that it puts things in perspective is like, you feel like when I, when that engagement, you know, went cred for me when I was young, you feel like that is like the center of the universe and there's nothing else to focus on to, you know, even consider because that is all that life is about. But Mm -hmm. if you take yourself out of that and go, I don't know, I'm just throwing something out there, serve at a soup kitchen or go um, clean a single mom's house for her or whatever, you realize that there's so much more to life. And how dare you think that your world ending is like the most important thing, you know, because we're not all that in a bag of chips. Sometimes we're just the bag of chips and that's okay. (laughs) I I like chips, (laughs) but I, I love how you said that too, because 
sometimes the things that we think are going to be the end of us, well, it's the beginning of God doing something new, right? Something else that it's he wants us to do. Something you may love better. Yeah. Like how, like you say, how are we to know that next week there's not something amazing or even something we wouldn't even consider amazing, but yet life-changing for someone else we can be used for. And I love that. And I love that you have this compassion for people to see the other side of it so that they can experience joy and healing. Yeah. Because not only does, I mean, yeah, it brings healing to yourself, but then ultimately it pays it forward and brings healing to others. Yeah. It is truly an epidemic. The anxiety that is just Mm -hmm. all over and how things are really hard. I mean, especially of course, now with the pandemic and all of that, it's been hard for people because they haven't been able to connect, but then it's probably been hard for people because they have almost had permission to isolate. And sometimes that's what people will do when they're hurting is they isolate anyway. Mm -hmm. So have you experienced having to minister to others that have been going through that kind of a thing during this time? Just the anxiety or the fact that they would tend to isolate? All of that. Yes, definitely. I, I, once again, you know, God has a sense of humor. The fact that this book came out Valentine's day of 2020, right before, you know, I'm in the Seattle area. So literally like three to four weeks before everything shut down. And it was right when the world needed this book. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So yes, I was, I was talking to others about it, but here's what's so funny about it too, is that I wrote the book because I suffer from anxiety myself. I was trying to pay forward what's helped me. And you think you have a good grip on anxiety enough that you can write a book, right? Mm -hmm. But when stuff was going down, it did feel like the apocalypse was starting, even though I'm a pastor and I know what the Bible says and I know, you know, all these things. And so I started having imposter syndrome and I was like, what the heck? I wrote a book. I don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm freaking out right now. Wow. (laughs) So I had to even reread it to myself. And then you know, I could reread it to myself, pick myself back up. Okay. Perspective head is clear. Perspective is gained back. And then I could go out. And what I actually did was I joined some groups on Facebook for people going through anxiety, depression and depression. I did both um, faith-based ones and um, just worldly ones. And so I was watching these conversations and just, you know, um, when people were reaching out, I would join into conversation with them and not mention my book, of course. (laughs) that'll get you kicked out of a right (laughs) self-promotion then again what was funny is sometimes that was triggering my anxiety just watching how bleak (laughs) their lives were and so I thought oh I have to quit these groups I can't handle it but guess what it's not about me you know Mm -hmm. so I had to force myself to stay in those groups and 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 keep having uh, relationships and stuff. So yeah, definitely tons of opportunity to help others. Yeah. That's awesome how you join those groups and then realized I can't just quit <laughs> because it's, it's bothering me because, you know, God put you in those groups to encourage other people. Yeah. Right. And, and so to take a look at what's going on and help other people through some of the things or just be an encouragement. Sometimes people just want to hear someone say, you know what? I get that. And you're going to be okay. It definitely catches people's attention because most posts that you'll see probably several times a day in those groups and these groups, there's thousands and thousands of people in these groups. The posts you'll see most often is how do you deal with your anxiety? I'm looking for new ideas. 
And of course, people always say, well, mindset or think on good things or, and all that stuff is true, right? Mm -hmm. But I always go in and have a comment that says, you know what, go find somebody to serve. And people are like, what did you just say? I need some self-care right now. I'm struggling. And like, but, and for that to be my answer, cause it's such backwards thinking, but yeah. we, I mean, those of us who are Christians though, we know that God has a backwards kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so it's, um, it's just fun to see, you know, the reactions to a comment like that. But yeah, that is amazing how that comment could draw so much attention and just make people stop and think, you know, if you're in that state of mind or you're going through a difficult thing you need somebody to help you sometimes to, you know, give you these revelations of wisdom from the Lord, you know, especially if that's not something that they've ever experienced before. So I love that. And now your first book as my mind unwinds. So honestly, the book doesn't really have any theme at all. <laughs> I, for anyone who's a Seinfeld fan, um, I like to say it's a, just like Seinfeld is a show about nothing. This is a book about nothing. It has no theme except that it might take anything your mind might wonder about as a Christian and try to reconcile it with who Christ is. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. And I love that you say non-Christian readers have also appreciated the book, the humor in it that you think, or. Yeah, I do think that's a part of it. I think it's just that I'm very straightforward, matter of fact, no nonsense. If I'm going to yell at anybody and, and chew anybody out, it's going to be other Christians <laughs> and not and not the people sinning <laughs> because nothing gets me more worked up than a Christian who gives actual Christians. So a quote unquote Christian that gives actual Christians a bad name, those Christians that embarrass Jesus. And yes, they think they're doing it for a worthy cause or whatever. They're just a little mixed up you know, or maybe they are righteous Pharisees. I think most of them are righteous Pharisees, but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and some grace and say, maybe they're just a little mixed up and they're on their journey. I mean, just as I am too, in many ways. Um, but I think the fact that I approach that in life, I think that resonates with anybody, no matter what your faith is or where you are on that journey. Yeah. I love how you said that. And we do get labeled sometimes as being a hypocrite and it's really such an important thing for us to be able to show others genuine love of Jesus and like just be Jesus to them and see how that is, but also help them to see that it's a personal relationship. And it's cool that you are a connections pastor. I just love how God called you to that because he kept telling you that you're going to do it, which is encouraging too, because, you know, our listener who might think I am not hearing from God. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, what my calling is, but he will continually put people in your path, right? Or other things that will just open your eyes. Yeah. Well, open your eyes. will keep maybe um, affirming and confirming things you maybe already knew, but you weren't ready to accept. Obviously, if you're, you're questioning what you're supposed to be doing, or you have any questions like that, you get into your word, you get into the Bible. And before I read my Bible and I read my Bible at night, I'm not a morning reader. I'm a nighttime reader, but I I always pray a real quick prayer. And yes, it's robotic, but it's genuine. And I just say, Holy spirit, open my eyes, ears, and heart to what you're about to show me right now. And then I just read, you know, my Bible for that day. And I think that will help you a lot. And then 
you know, ask those who love you, your parents, whoever it is, your spouse, your friends, what do you see in me that is probably how God created me? What are my gifts? What are my, you know, what, and that, that'll, that'll tell you a lot. And then where, what am I doing in my life? That seems like it's totally off track to you. (laughs) Yes. If you have people you can trust or you do trust and they, they can give you those answers. Listen to that. It'll tell you a lot. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And also for sharing that you do your reading in the evening. Oftentimes people will beat themselves up because they're not doing it the same way someone else is, or they feel like, you know, cause you read all the time. People are saying my morning devotions, you know, when I got up and I, it was quiet and that's not like that for everybody's life. So the most important thing is like you say, getting in the word and just praying a simple prayer before yeah. you begin. And I think sometimes, you know, we've all been guilty of it, trying to make it hard. It's not really hard. And it's a book about God so we can know him more. And maybe it's just the connection he's looking for first, like the relationship to solidify the relationship with each other before you're ready to go out and do all the things. Because if we're not, if we don't have that firm foundation, we're going to be like that house on the sand. Mm -hmm even though we're doing, 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 which is another thing to try to overcome is the, the doing syndrome. And, and like you mentioned earlier, the imposter syndrome. Yeah. Isn't that so true? It's so true, but it's so funny because whenever there's something unsettled in you and you feel doubt and confusion, that is your blaring signal that Satan is in your head and you need to kick him out. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. He doesn't want you to believe who you really are. If you're, if you're constantly wondering if you're good enough or whatever, then Satan is being pretty successful at shutting you down. And that's making him happy because you must be some kind of powerhouse if he's needing to work that hard. Amen, sister. That is so true. That is so true. You know, because he doesn't want us to be able to share truth with anyone. So if we're so self-focused or, you know, not feeling like we're worthy enough or whatever, again, focusing a lot on ourselves. Exactly right. And we never realize it because Satan is so good at his craft. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He He's so cunning, but yeah, I think about that, you know, in the garden and it, he tries to make us doubt God. He tries to make us doubt yep. God's truth, God's character wolf in sheep's clothing. So Mm -hmm. knowing the word too, like you said earlier about the importance of being in it so that we can recognize a counterfeit. The Bible tells us to to test the spirits. We all at salvation have the Holy Spirit in us, even if we're not um, filled with the Holy Spirit empowerment yet. So there's three things we know when we're testing spirits. We know God's not a God of confusion. So if there's confusion there, then we need to clear that up and ask God to help us do that. Secondly, there is a clear definition and people can get confused all the time between conviction and condemnation. If you're feeling bad about something, you know, maybe something you've done or how you've acted or whatever, if you feel completely hopeless about it, then that is called condemnation. And God is not about that. That's Satan telling him to shut up and out the door. If it's conviction, if you feel that, yes, I've got to change, I've screwed up, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel, then that's conviction. And you follow that boldly without shame and fix whatever it is you need to fix. Great. That's awesome how you brought out the difference between that because that is so important because there is no condemnation. That's right. For those who are are in Christ, right? But the conviction is very important. It's it's part of why we have the spirit so he can convict us and then we can make a little about face, you know, if we're going the wrong direction. So 
I appreciate you bringing that out. That's very important. And I also love when I asked you before the show, what brings you joy? And you said the future, your future and my future. And then you also talked about how much you love to laugh. And it just reminded me of the Proverbs 31, 25 that says that she laughs without fear of the future. And I just was wondering if you could expand on that a little bit of, you know, so that would encourage someone today who is maybe fearful of the future or concerned about the situation going on in our country or, you know, here's the the thing of it, right? We overcomplicate things when they are really quite so simple. We know the end game. We know how it's going to, we've read the Bible. We know how it's going to turn out. So things can look pretty bleak here and terrible and whatever, but we know what it's going to be like. And yes, we have to suffer in the meantime. We know that too. We know, we're told as Christians that we're going to have hard days and we're going to suffer, but we should consider that an honor to, you know, too, to suffer. But um, in that suffering too, you know, maybe you're going through a terrible sickness. Maybe you have COVID, maybe you have cancer and, and life is super painful and you just can't see past the darkness. I would tell you this, God's grace is so big and you have the distinct honor in that position of finding out about his grace that most of us may never even see this side of heaven. So there is nothing to fear, you know, doubts will come, you boot them out. (laughs) Anxiety and fears do come, you boot it out because we know the end game that brings incredible joy because we know God tells us the reason he created us was relationship with him and to have this paradise we know, we know our purpose. We know how it's going to, you know, how he's going to reconcile that all to himself in the end. Why not be so full of joy? And it's kind of a wild ride in the meantime, right? We're all this, this, this player in this amazing epic movie. <laughs> exactly. It is. It's a great adventure. And that is so good, what you just said, because it just reminds me of like, we should raise kids with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, back in my banking days and even in my college class, when we were reading the Stephen Covey book about the seven habits of highly effective people or whatever, one of them is the end, you know, keep the end in mind. Uh, you know, what is it that we're trying to do? What is our mission? What are we trying to achieve? I love that you said to keep that focused. That was really going to encourage a lot of listeners today. I know that it will. Have you Well, I know you have, but what are the challenges uh, that you've had as being a woman pastor and how can you encourage some other women who are leaders in their church or feel like they're being called to that? Mm -hmm. Sure. I would say (laughs) you need to um, properly study the Bible. You know, all Bible interpreters, we're all just people and we're doing the best we can, you know, to interpret scripture and what it's really saying. And Mm -hmm. for so many years, we were told and believed that, you know, women are to be quiet in church, but if you really get a good commentary, several good commentaries now, uh, the light came on for us, you know, <laughs> a while back and, and, and the, the ones that the light came on for were trying to spread the word, but that was not proper interpretation of scripture. And, and when you're, when you're reading any scripture, you're always checking it against what the whole of scripture says. You can never take one piece. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that there's so many, you know, women ministers and, and people that Jesus used that were female to do various things shows that we're meant to be in ministry. So when you see Paul telling women to be quiet in church and they should not speak, 
it's not because we're not supposed to be pastors. That was for a purpose. You know, the, the Corinthian church and women, they were, um, those women in particular were causing a little trouble. (laughs) So (laughs) that's what that mandate was meant for. And so I would say, I would encourage, you know, women who are having questions about that or or even men, like my wife feels like she's called to preach. Should I let her? (laughs) Um, I would look at people like Tara Beth Leach. Beth Backus has a good interview online, B-A-C-K-E-S, Beth Backus from Washington, um, that she did with a professor who studied it in depth. But you need to um, search these people out and find out the truth so that you are armed and confident. Nice. I love that, how you were talking about the scripture that a lot of people have based that on, you know, Mm -hmm. where Paul was, was talking about that and how it was, like you say, it was primarily because that group of women tended to be a little chatty, right? Because wasn't it that their husbands were the only one allowed to speak, but they would be telling them things to say? That and they were not only that, but they were doing that without not really having knowledge of what they were talking about. And so (laughs) thanks a lot. No, just kidding. Um, But anyway, I, I love that you're encouraging women that God is using us in amazing ways when we seek him and we're humble. We're not searching after like a title or whatever, we're just humble. And then he lifts us into these different positions to where we can have a bigger outreach. Like he expands the borders of the people that we can reach for him. And like you said earlier, it kind of all ties in that it's not about us. It's about who we can reach with truth, right? Yes. So that is awesome. How can our listener connect with you, Jen? Thank you for asking. So my favorite place to connect with everyone is on Instagram and my handle is at Jen's Mind Unwinds, but I have a full author page on Amazon, my websites as my That's how you can find me and um, say hi. Great. I will put all the links in the show notes so people can find you. And what is on your horizon? what God has for you next? What a fun question. No one's asked that before. Well, I'm, you know, definitely navigating what it is to serve at our church with, you know, my other co-pastors and stuff right now. And just seeing what that looks like, not even knowing what the future (laughs) looks like. So pray for pastors everywhere, guys. Yeah. But (laughs) laughing without fear of it. Yes, yes, yes. But I'm also in school right now. Um, I do have a third book coming someday, but I'm not even working on it right now because I'm in school. Yeah. And I'm really trying to push my anxiety book, especially as we're in the pandemic, the election, all that. I really want this book in people's hands. So I'm trying to do it without being too salesy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, it's just, it's serving and it's going to help people. And so that is important. And, and you're not promoting yourself. You're promoting the message God has given you. Thank you. Yes. People and, and, you know, so they can find healing in him and find out really where the source is for their joy, you know, especially through this time. I hope to have you on again sometime. I'd love to come on again sometime. You're a delight. Oh, thank you. And you as well. It's been such a joy to talk with you. I know the listener is super blessed to hear what you had to say today. And I hope they pick up your book. Both your books. (laughs) All right, Jen, will you take care? And I will talk to you soon, friend. Thank you for listening today. And I hope our conversation on the show 
inspired, encouraged, and challenged you to step out and to look at things from a different perspective, maybe a new perspective. I'd love to hear if there was something in the show that touched your heart or helped you to see things differently because God opens our eyes to divine appointments each and every day and he wants us to be whole, healed, and redeemed. We can share that story with others and that truth with others that he came to be near to the brokenhearted and to bind up our wounds. We can be used by God to help others who are also struggling. There were a few quotes in the show that I really loved. Of course, I love all the quotes in the show, but the ones that really stood out, there is a clear definition between conviction and condemnation because that's really important to remember. And she also said, we overcomplicate things when they aren't really quite so simple. We know the end game. Friends, we know God is in control and he wins. The enemy does not win. But sometimes it feels like the enemy is winning, doesn't it? Just stand firm and know the truth. And the only way we're going to know the truth is if we are in the truth, if we read the word of God, because there are a lot of counterfeits out there. And the only way we're going to know truth is if we know truth. You can connect with Jen at asmymindunwinds.com, on Instagram at Jen's Mind Unwinds. You can also find her Amazon page and pick up some of her books. And I'll have those links for you in the show notes. So be sure to check that out. And as always, I'd love to connect with you. You know, anymore, we don't know what's going on with social media. We don't know how many people are leaving Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Accounts are getting closed down for this and that and the other reason. And we want to stay connected. And I would love if you would join my email list. Because this way then I can reach out to you and send you inspiration to your inbox once a month. And I also love to include other podcasts you might be interested in listening to, books that are out there that you might be interested in reading, things that will help you. So I would love for you to connect with me by joining my email list at daraswift.com. When you go to daraswift.com, there is a little pop-up that'll come up. It'll invite you to put your email address in. And when you do, you, you will receive as a free gift, fear fighting scripture verses. But also there's some other things. If you scroll down in the right margin, you can get an ebook called Step Out of Your Doubt and Into Your Calling. I have a little bit of my own testimony and story in that book. And a few other things too that you'll find like simple tips for sharing your faith. And I'll include that in the show notes too. So let's connect, friend. Let's stay connected. I hope you'll join me next time when I invite another woman who's taking action where her passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, friend, have a blessed week, and I'll talk to you soon.